Good morning, Hope. Love for you to have your Bibles open to the book, the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 1. 2 Samuel is towards the beginning uh, of the Old Testament. Um, yeah, towards the beginning, that's where we're going to spend all of our time today as we open God's Word and learn from God's Word, uh, which we do every Sunday morning that we gather here, Second Samuel chapter 1. And as Jeff said, we are starting this week our uh, a really five-week series uh, during these weeks of Lent. Lent is six weeks. We're going to take five weeks in the series where we are thinking about um, the practices embedded in this book called Essential Practices, not an exhaustive list of practices, practices of our faith. Uh, just six of them. Could There are tons more. Uh, but just for highlighting six uh, based on this book, we started this series last year around or during during Lent. Uh, many of you were a part of that series. Again, as Jeff said, if you don't have one of these books, I encourage you to pick one up, bring it with you each weekend. There's space for notes if you want to write your notes right in the book or uh, so you have them with you. But the, over these weeks, these five weeks, we're going to be thinking about just three practices, uh, lament, listening prayer, and self-examination. We're going to take the next five weeks to unpack each of those practices that are embedded um, in God's Word. And really, each of these practices are kind of based on a, a reality in life. So as we think about lament, when the pain of loss won't go away, what do we do? What do we do with that? When loss just won't, we've tried to get past it, years have passed, weeks have passed, it's still there, embedded in our soul. What do we do? When we think about a decision, I have to make a decision. How do I know whether to take this job or to move here or to this opportunity in front of me? How do I know? What do I do with that? Let's talk about listening prayer. And then self-examination. When life seems difficult, what is our discernment process as followers of Jesus to discern what is going on? When things seem difficult, we wonder what is happening? Why am I feeling this way? What's going on? How do we live an examined life? And we're going to take time. So we're going to spend time five weeks, and then the week after that is Palm Sunday, and then April 1st is Easter. We're almost there. Uh, three services on Easter Sunday, and then following Easter, we're going to jump into a book of the Bible together, and it's going to take us a number of weeks, months uh, to go through. So we'll talk more about that as we get closer. But that's where we're going. Uh, again, hopefully you have a book or pick up a book uh, after the service is done. But today, we start by thinking about an experience that is true for all of us as it relates to being humans. Something every single one of us has already experienced or will experience. Whether we're even middle school students, high school students, adults here today, we will all at one point or another experience loss. Every single one of us will experience, and I'm almost certain that you have experienced, we have experienced loss already to some degree in our lives. When we think about loss, our minds can immediately go to the, to the death of a loved one, a child, a spouse, a, a family member, a close friend, something that would take you to a funeral home. We even think of what's been happening even here in our nation. Even um, we think of what happened here just a few hours south of here just uh, two weeks ago when two Westerville police officers were killed in the line of duty. And then we obviously think of just what took place on Wednesday here in our country. As we all saw the news reports, watched the videos, listened to the interviews listening to the stories of the 17 people, 17 individuals, both adults and students, 
who were killed when they were at their high school in Florida. We would describe this type of loss as maybe catastrophic. It's just that huge, weighty loss. Even just this past week, there were families here at Hope Church that said their earthly goodbyes to loved ones. When we think about loss, sometimes we only think of those types of situations. But today, I want to help broaden the perspective of loss to realize, yes, those are losses and those are what I would call significant, maybe even catastrophic type losses that we will experience in this life. But there's also those, what I would call everyday, maybe it doesn't happen every day, but they're the part, the normal realities of living in a fallen world that come to us weekly, monthly, week, uh, every day even. Just to give you some idea of what we're talking about, it might be your health. It might be a job. It might be infertility. It might be divorce, whether going through a divorce or watching your parents go through a divorce. It could be the betrayal of a close family member or friend. It could be even uh, um, entering even a new season of life, having to say goodbye to one season that you were in, maybe for a long time, and entering the new season of life. Even give a specific, maybe when the last child leaves the house. Now, for you that are in that season, there was some rejoicing, I'm sure, as that child maybe left the house. But that's a season that you'll never get back. Do we look at that as even a loss? Something to grieve, to lament over. For some, it could be a loss of innocence as it relates to walking through abuse. And the, the list goes on and on and on for these kind of normal occurrences that might, we might not get to a funeral home for. We might not uh, go through calling hours in a burial when we think of these types of losses. But friends, they are losses nonetheless. And even here's another one that maybe we don't think about much, dreams. I'm not talking about just like the dreams you have when you sleep, while you're asleep. But like the dreams you had for your life, that you thought this is the way it was going to go. This is what I was going to do. This is where I was going to be at this point in my life. This is where my kids were going to be. This is what we were going to be doing. And maybe some of those have come true and maybe some of those have come crashing down. Dreams. Do we view those, we see those as losses? We're going to think about loss in a broad sense today. Now, I, I believe we would all admit that we as human beings don't do sad well. Even to hear your chuckles, I think you get it. <laughs> like there's an acknowledgement, we don't do sad well. And there's a lot of reasons why. First, it's painful. I mean, who wants to walk through pain? None of us do. None of us want to walk through pain. We run from it. We move away from it. Another reason we don't do well with loss, we don't do well with sad, is sad is a process. Grief is a process. Mourning is a process. Lament, as we'll talk about, is a, is a process. It's not one, two, three, four, you're done. It's, it's not like when you break a bone. I haven't broken a lot of bones, but in fifth grade, I was playing Little League Baseball, took a pitch on the inside corner, knocked me off of my feet when it hit me, and I fell awkwardly back down on my wrist. I got up, went to first base, and looked down on my wrist and realized it was in the shape of an S. And uh, that was it for my baseball game and season. And went to the doctors, went to the hospital, got a cast put on it. Six, eight weeks later, they cut the cast off, take an x-ray, and I'm good to go. Grief isn't like that, is it? 
But just like when our bones hurt, when our bones break, our souls hurt. They're impacted by loss. Whether we feel it or experience it or know it, acknowledge it, our souls remember the losses in our lives. They take it. And again, we don't do pain well. We run from it, we move from it, and even I think a sign of it in our, in our country, in our world, even in, in human beings, a sign of not doing pain well is we think of the, the magnitude of addictive behaviors. And I know addiction is a complicated uh, issue. It's a big issue. And I'm not saying this is the only reason why there are addictive behaviors in our world. But when you think of addictive behaviors, whether it be like we talked about in that video, uh, sexu- sexual issues or purity, we think about eating, we think about drinking, we think about drugs, we think about even going headlong into good things, giving, devoting our time and every waking hour to even good things. What are we running from? As we think of addictive behaviors, we're numbing pain. We're numbing pain. That's there, but maybe we're not dealing with it in the healthiest way. So here's the reality. When the pain of loss won't go away, What do you and I do? Do we just try to stuff it, move on, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, time will help, uh, grind it out, just kind of, we're going to get through this? Or do we move through it in a healthy way? And I believe that's what this practice known as lament gives us. Lament gives us the pathway to move through and into our grief, to move towards our grief, our pain, and not away from it. And it provides a pathway to move towards it, and in moving towards it, we're moving towards God. Because here's the challenge. With any suffering, any pain in our lives, the the challenge for us is, will I still trust God in the midst of it? When my dreams come crashing down, when, my, when I'm betrayed by a f- close friend or family member, when I experience traumatic loss in my life, is God still good? And what lament does for us is it's the pathway towards our pain, not away from it, and towards God in the midst of it and to grow even through it. And we'll talk about that at the end. So what I want to do today is instead of just talking around lament and ideas, concepts, just I want us to see it in action. I want us to look in 2 Samuel chapter 1 to see lament in action, to see someone lamenting, grieving, processing what's going on in here, not stuffing it down, not just moving on, but feeling it in a healthy Way. So we're going to learn about David. We're going to learn about this guy named David. And before we get there, I think it's important you know a few things about what's taking place because this, this story, this, his response won't make sense if you don't know these few things. So here in, in 2 Samuel chapter 1, we need to know that Saul is the king. He's the king of Israel. So Saul is the king of Israel, and he's been leading the the Israelite army into battles. And they're fighting, at this point, the Philistines. That was a continual battle. They're always fighting the Philistines. And in this battle, Saul and three of his sons, one being Jonathan, dies. So they die in this battle, and word is going to get to David about what took place. David doesn't know they've died, and word's going to get to him. You need to know a few things about David's relationship with Jonathan and Saul. Saul, again, is the king. 
And David and Saul's relationship is what I would call complicated. It's messy. And what I mean by that is, uh, David, again, Saul's king. David is the next anointed king. And jealousy comes up in Saul. He doesn't like David because he's threatened by David. So they're the relationship is complicated. At one point, Saul thought, I'll just kill him. That way he won't become king. So he tries. He throws a spear against the wall and tries to pin David to the wall. And David actually has to flee for his life to run away and stay away from Saul. Now, you need to know that Saul, excuse me, uh, one of John, or David, Saul's sons is Jonathan. David and Jonathan are incredibly close friends. They have a deep, intimate friendship, even in the midst of the complicated relationship with his dad, David and his dad. David and Jonathan have this incredibly close friendship. And when we pick up the story here in 2 Samuel chapter 1, David doesn't know they've died. And he's made aware of it. And we'll watch his response. And even, I hope, and encourages us. We might not experience the same lament or same loss that David experiences here. But David, I think, outlines a pattern for us of what does it look like to lament our losses. So it starts in verse 1. It says, After the death of Saul, David returned from defeating the Amalekites and staying in Ziklag two days. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. When he came to David, he fell on the ground to pay him honor. Where have you come from? David asked him. He answered, I have escaped from the Israelite camp. What happened? David asked. Tell me. He said, the man, fled from, the man fled from the battle. Many of them fell and died. And Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. Then David said to the young man who brought him the report, how do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? It hap I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, the young man said. And there was Saul leaning on his spear with the chariots and riders almost upon him. And when he turned around, he saw me and he called out to me. And I said, what can I do for you? And he asked me, who are you? An Amalekite, I answered. Then he said to him, stand over me and kill me. I am in the throes of death but I'm still alive. So I stood over him and killed him because I knew that after he had fallen, he could not survive. And I took the crown that was on his head and the band on his arm that I brought them here to my Lord. Then David and all the men with him took their clothes and tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted for, till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan, for the army of the Lord in the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. And then David said to the young man, the one who brought the message to report, where are you from? He says, I am a son of an alien, an Amalekite. He answered. And David asked him, why were you not afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Talking about Saul. Then David called to one of his men and said, go strike him down. So he struck him down and he died. For David had said to him, your blood will be on your own head. Your own mouth testified against you when you said, I killed the Lord's anointed. Now a bit of background. It's important to know that David and the Amalekites don't have the best of relationships. Just a few chapters earlier in 1 Samuel chapter 30, David and his men went back to their home and the Amalekites had gone there before them and taken off their wives and their children as slaves. 
So just earlier, David and his men had to fight off the Amalekites and get back their wives and their children from them. I don't know if this young man knows that has taken place. But the Amalekites were always known to be liars, to try to take advantage of their enemies. So there's a bit of history. David isn't killing this man just out of spite or because he was upset or grieving. Because there's a bit of history with what even took place a few chapters earlier in 1 Samuel. But that's not the point, the emphasis of what we're going to think about today. Here's the big idea I want us to think about. David pays attention to the pain of his loss. He doesn't just move on. He doesn't just say, well, Saul's dead. I'm going to become the next king. Let's go. We have things to do. This is sad, but let's move on. David acknowledges it, the pain. He pays attention to the pain of his loss. Some might think because of the complicated relationship that him and his men had with Saul, you would think there'd be some rejoicing. Saul's dead. The one who was stopping you from becoming king is dead. Now you can become king. But there's no sense of rejoicing here. There is grief. And we see in a few practical ways, outward ways, David pays attention to this loss. First, David and all his men, David and all the men with him took their clothes and took hold of them and tore them. They hear the news. Saul and Jonathan are dead there in verse 11. Then David and all the men with him took hold of their clothes and they tore them. The, the, the idea there is there is this pain inside their soul and they do something on the outside to demonstrate the, the pain that's on the inside. They literally tear their clothes saying our hearts are torn right now, are breaking right now as they tear their clothes. You might be familiar uh, with the, the, the Bible practice, the biblical practice of when someone was mourning or grieving, many times they would put on sackcloth. Sackcloth and sometimes ashes on their heads. Sackcloth is basically burlap. It's, it was made in the biblical times. It was made out of goat hair. I don't know if you've ever touched a goat. They're not the smoothest animal you could ever pet. It's rough. It's coarse. Imagine having that on your body. And again, the reason they would many times put on these garments of mourning was to say, to demonstrate how they felt inside. It was acknowledging the grief, getting it out, even acknowledging as they put these garments on. David and his men took hold of their clothes and they tore them. That's not only what they did. It also says they mourned and wept in verse 12. It says they mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan. It says in verse 12, they shed tears. There was sadness. There was grief. They weeping. They weren't saying, well, this is tough. They didn't push the tears down and say, we're not going to cry. They openly, men are openly weeping about the loss, the death of Saul and Jonathan, the men in the army that died. They're weeping over them. And I believe we would acknowledge that many times tears are accompanied with loss. And I like what my friend uh, and pastor, Joel Boomer, who pastors uh, a church, Hope Community, right up the road in Olmstead Falls, he said this about tears. 
He said, tears alone do not heal. They don't heal sorrow, but tears and grief open the door to healing. Like they don't heal the pain and sorrow necessarily, but they're saying, where they're acknowledging this is sad. Now, do tears always accompany loss? No. We don't have to force people to cry, but many times they do. And David here feels this loss. Him and his men feel this loss and they acknowledge it. There's one more way that David and his men acknowledge this loss, and we'll talk about it in a moment, but I want us to think about the importance, the simplicity and importance of paying attention to our losses. If we're going to be people that lament, that grieve, that mourn well the losses, whether they be catastrophic or the everyday stuff that happens to us, if we're going to be people that do that, we have to take time to pay attention to them, acknowledge them, feel them, Some of us, though, have grown up in maybe home environments or church environments where you didn't feel the freedom or permission to feel. To feel the weight, the pain of the losses in your life. Maybe you received the message, whether it was unspoken or spoken, in the home, maybe environment that you were raised in, We don't cry. We don't talk about our feelings. We don't process our feelings. When when things maybe happened in your home growing up, like there was just this like big earthquake type event in your home, whatever that might have been. I mean, something major just happened and and it just happened and then a few weeks and just you just kind of move on. Well, what about like was anyone else hurt by that? And you just kind of move on. And we don't take the time, or maybe we haven't felt the freedom to pay attention or even acknowledge the hurt or the losses in our lives. What lament is inviting you and I to do is to pay attention, to feel, to acknowledge the pain that you're feeling. Eugene Peterson, pastor, author, said this about the acknowledging reality. He said, pain isn't the worst thing. Death isn't the worst thing. He said, the worst thing is failing to deal with reality and becoming disconnected from what is actual. Sometimes we can be pretty good at disconnecting from the pain and trauma in our lives. And we do that for a lot of different reasons. And what lament is saying is stay connected with reality. Acknowledge reality. Don't move away from it. Don't ignore it. Don't try to push it down. Because here's the thing. If we keep pushing it down, it will, like a beach ball, eventually come up. And sometimes when we're not paying attention continually, just piling up and piling up and piling up. And our souls can only take so much and they will bring it to the surface. And lament creates the pathway for you and I to pay attention. And that's even the, if you have your book with you, one of the steps in this process of lamenting, it says, is in prayer. We want to honestly acknowledge your pain to God. Honestly. We're not sugarcoating it. We're not 
tweaking it. We're saying, this is what I feel. This is what I feel right now. This is the hurt that I feel right now. We're acknowledging it. To God. We're moving towards God in our pain and not away from him. And today, we want, I want you to feel the freedom to begin even maybe some for the first time of paying attention to the losses in your life. So David and his men tore their clothes. They wept. But then there's one more thing they did. They took up a lament. And let me read first, 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 17. It said this, David took up this lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan. And he ordered, he's just not taking up, he ordered the men of Judah to be taught this lament of the bow. And here's the song of lament that they sing. Your glory, O Israel, lies slain on your heights. How the mighty have fallen. That phrase three times will be repeated throughout this lament. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Least the daughters of the Philistines be glad. Least the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. O mountains of Gilboa, may you have neither dew nor rain, nor fields that yield offerings of grain. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled. The shield of Saul no longer rubbed with oil. From the blood of the stain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan, in life they were loved and gracious, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep for Saul. You who clothed you in scarlet and finery, who adorned you with garments and ornaments of gold, how the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You hear the, feel the emotion in this lament. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. How the mighty have fallen. The weapons of war have perished. David took up this lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan. Some of us might be very unfamiliar with the biblical concept of a lament. What a lament is, is words that express sadness, emotion. A lament isn't information, it's emotion. It's expressing outwardly what you feel in here. That's one of the purposes of lamenting or grieving is getting what we are feeling in here out because the danger is we try to keep it in. And so many times it's not good when it just stays in. We're trying to get it out in lamenting or speaking out words. The Bible, this is not the only lament in the Bible. The Bible is filled with laments. Many of you maybe have read the book of Psalms. A third of the Psalms are laments. Written, many, many have written by David. And you have statements like, God, where are you? You seem far away. How long is this going to happen? There's this honesty and he's moving towards God and he comes back to God. I still trust in your unfailing love as it says in Psalm 13. One Psalm of lament. We have a whole book in the Old Testament called Lamentations 
which were written based on the fall of Jerusalem in 586 BC. So when Jerusalem is overcome and taken over and people are killed and slaves or uh, captives are taken off into slavery, what does God, what do God's people do? They lament over that. They grieve. They speak out these words of sadness, what they feel. Lament is not whining. It's not complaining. It's not insulting God. And it's not venting. You're not just venting, uh, getting things off your chest. But these are words that help us intentionally move and express our pain and move towards God. One of the things we talk about here at Hope Church is we want to help people experience hope. And that's just not experiencing hope when times are good. When life is great, when you're on the mountaintop, so to speak, whatever that might be for you. But we want to be people that experience hope, hope being a person, even in our suffering. We want to be people that experience hope and being people that lament, express our sadness, help us experience hope. David, it's interesting, he orders this lament, not just for something him to sing, but he says, tell all the men of Judah to sing this song of lament. He's helping others learn how to process their grief. Pay attention to this is what he's saying. Sing this song. And in doing so, acknowledge your grief. And I think that's even a good word for us as a people. We have to learn Lamenting is not an, it's an acquired skill, practice. It's not something we will naturally say, you know what, I just love to lament. I don't think anyone will say that. It's something we will we'll have to work at and grow in and discipline ourselves to say, based on what has happened or how I feel, I need to lament this. And that's why this is one of the practices we are talking about this week. So one of the steps, even in this practice, as you find in your book, it talks about this, writing a letter. You can maybe change letter to poem or song, write in a journal, whatever, writing, just getting it out, writing words on paper, like David and the men, they, they wrote this down. They said, sing this, writing a letter where you express, honestly express your feelings to God. Again, we're moving towards him and not away from him because the challenge, the tendency is to move away from God in suffering. And we want to move towards him through this practice known as lament. David took up. He didn't say, well, that's sad. Saul's dead. Jonathan's dead, but I got things to do. He purposefully stopped and paid attention and expressed the sadness on the inside and moved towards God. He took up this lament. Why is lament important? Why, why are we taking two weeks? We're taking two weeks to talk about this. Why is it important to talk about lament? There's a number of reasons. One, lament or lamenting provides a pathway for you and I to grow through our losses. We have choices when it comes to loss because loss will come into all of our lives in different shapes, times, forms. It's going to happen. So what do we do? We can ignore it. We can try to get through it. I'm just going to get through this. I'm going to put my head down. We're going to get past this. We're going to get, even some of the language, we're going to get over this. We're going to get beyond it. We can minimize it. 
My loss, yeah, I've experienced loss, but it's not as bad as, and you fill in the blank. You know, they have, that family or that person, they have really experienced loss. Now, I, I would readily, I would agree, we, our loss looks different and comes into our lives in different ways, and some people have experienced more loss than us. The only problem I have with minimizing, again, is denying what has happened to us. Now, if we take the, the minimization perspective, you've got to keep going, like, well, they, they really need to lament. If you keep going down that road, there's really only one person. I don't know who they are, and I feel bad for them. But there's just one person who's experienced a lot of loss, and they need to lament because their loss is really bad. But there isn't that person. We will always be able to find someone or a family that has experienced more loss than us. And we don't minimize our loss. What is loss for us, even within a family? What you as a husband might experience as loss, your spouse, might, uh, your wife might not experience the same type of loss or feel it the same way. Because we're all different. We're different people. We're wired differently. So we can minimize, we can ignore, we can keep stuffing it down, pushing it away. Hopefully it'll go away. But I think we all know these hurts don't go away. They just don't disappear. Our souls remember. They don't just forget. So the invitation for you and I is to grow through them and in them and move towards them. Gerald Sitzer, who wrote a book called A Grace Disguised, Gerald Sitzer went through, walked through what I would, we would call catastrophic loss. He was involved in a horrific car accident that claimed the, the life, the lives of his wife, his daughter, and his mother. All in the same car accident. Out of his experience, obviously a number of years later, he wrote about grief in, in a book called The Grace Disguised. Here's what he said about loss and how we grow. He said, catastrophic loss by definition precludes, precludes recovery. It will transform us or destroy us, but it will never leave us the same. There's no going back to the past. It is not therefore true that we become less through loss unless we allow the loss to make us less, grinding down our souls until there's nothing left. He says, loss can also make us more. I did not get over my loved ones. Rather, I absorbed the loss into my life until it became part of who I am. Sorrow, he says, took up permanent residence in my soul and enlarged it. I like this statement. I don't like it, but it's helpful. <laughs> However painful, sorrow is good for the soul. He says the soul is elastic, like a balloon. It can grow larger through suffering. From the words of one who walked through catastrophic type loss. It's something we can grow through. When we think of something we can grow through, we know the opposite side of the coin is if we're not people that are paying attention, intentionally paying attention to the losses in our lives, as small or as large as they might be, the opposite, I believe, will happen. It'll harden our souls. We could become cynical. We could become bitter. We could become angry. 
for not continually paying attention to the losses in our lives. Grief is something we can grow through if we allow it to, if we walk in a healthy way, acknowledging honestly what we're going through. So lament provides the pathway for growth. And then lastly, lamenting our own losses will increase. I believe it'll increase our capacity to grieve with others. The Bible says in Romans, Romans chapter 12, I believe it is, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice. And on the opposite side of the coin, the opposite side of the verse, the next statement is, and mourn with those who mourn. And that's a great idea. That's something we want to grow more and more. We want to rejoice with people that are rejoicing. And when someone is in sorrow, when they are grieving, we want to mourn with them. But we have to think of the reality of that. If if we're going to be people that mourn with others, we have to be people that are mourning our own losses. Now, the way we can mourn with those who mourn, our loss might not be the same. I've never lost a spouse. I've never lost a close family member. I've never experienced a loss of a child. I haven't experienced those, but I have been with people. I'm sure you have. You've been with people that have experienced those types of, or losses different than you have experienced. And the more you and I work through this process, this pathway of lamenting, we are able to to be with people in their loss. Not trying to give answers, not trying to fix it, not trying to say, you know, you just need to get past this, but just being with them in it. And weeping even with them and crying with them and listening to their even lament and walking with them. I believe it's one of the ways that we can help people share hope. We can share hope with people by showing up with them or for them in their loss, whether it be the death of a loved one or the death of a dream. Say, I haven't experienced that, but I've experienced loss. And we're with them. We're sharing hope. We're present with them. Next week, where we're going to go next week when we talk about lament, we're going to watch Jesus weep at the death of a friend. He entered the grief of someone else, another family. And he wept. The shortest verse in all the Bible. But I think probably one of the more profound verses in all the Bible. And we want to be people that compassionately love others like Jesus loves others. And I think one of the ways we grow in compassion and mercy is by lamenting our losses, all of us. Lamenting our losses will increase, expand our capacity to grieve with others. So, friends, these are practices. They're not uh, theories. They're not ideas. They're practices, things we're to live out. So what I want to do, what we want to do every Sunday we're talking about this is just carve out a few moments. That's all it is. Just a few moments to begin putting this practice into practice. Begin living it out. So I want us to have this statement before us. It's at the end of the lament section before you get into the steps. Maybe you have your book uh, there. And I just want to present this statement and give us a few moments to begin thinking about this. In prayer, we want to ask God to help us, help you and I, identify losses in your life that that continue to give you pain when you think about them. Just some ideas. He may bring to mind people, health, friendships, opportunities, jobs, Innocence, maybe dreams, trauma that you've experienced. 
wounds, things that have been said to you that just cut you to the core. I've been hurt by some things that have come out of, like these are losses that maybe God even right now, what I want you to do if you have your book or on the back of your bulletin or on a phone, we just want to list them. And I just want to give you a few moments. I'm going to invite Jim and the worship team to make their way back to the platform. We're going to sing in a moment. But I want to just carve out just a few moments. We're not going to do this long. But just to begin saying, God, well, who, what are the losses in my life that still bring me pain? That you sense God wants you to lament. Walk this pathway towards your pain and towards God. You might have one item on that list, one person, one situation. You might have multiple. You may be today are surprised by how many came to mind. And what I want us to do before we sing a song about casting our cares to God, moving towards him, I want us to do something. When I was in college, a good friend of mine named Matt, um, his dad was a, a rabbi. And on Saturdays, many times, we would travel down on Long Island to his dad's uh, synagogue. And I would participate in their services. And every Saturday when they gather, I don't know if there's something across the board that every uh, Jewish synagogue would do, but at least in their synagogue, every Saturday, part of their liturgy, what I mean by liturgy is the service order. The songs they sing, the prayers they've said, the scripture readings and the liturgy of their service. Every Saturday I was there, and I believe they still do this still to this day, is there'd be a time in their service where they would uh, pray a prayer blessing called the Mourner's Kaddish. And what they asked, they asked anyone in their congregation that had experienced loss, that was feeling a sense of loss. Could have been the death of a loved one that they were grieving still. It could have been uh, a situation that happened at work that week or in their home that week. And all they did was just in a way to, for people to say, this is what I'm feeling on the inside. They just asked people to stand. They didn't say, share what your loss was. Tell us how, why you're grieving. But they just simply stood. And in standing, they were saying, there's some sadness here on the inside that I'm lamenting. Today, I'm not going to ask us to tear our clothes like David. I'm not going to ask us or invite us to put on sackcloth. I don't have any. Maybe you feel tears and it's okay to cry. We're not going to write a lament. But I wonder today, as you think of your list, maybe you would feel comfortable just standing. And in standing, you're saying, there's sadness here on the inside that I know God wants me to lament over. And it might be fresh. It might be from years ago. I'm not going to ask you to share what it is or say anything else. But just in standing, you are saying, this is how I'm feeling on the inside. So if that's you, I just want to invite you if you feel comfortable. I want to let know I'm standing with you. I'm grieving some things in my life. If, that's, if you feel comfortable just to stand, if you're saying there's a sense of loss in me that God wants me to lament, I'd love to pray for you. Hmm. 
So Lord, as I pray, I'm reminded of that you are a God who sees. You see the pain. We don't know what the pain might be for those standing around us, but you intimately know it. You know how long it's been there. You know the situation. You know the trauma. You know, and you see, and I believe you feel. So I'm thankful that we're not alone. So God, even in standing, we are saying, making a declaration, there's hurt, there's loss, and we want to move towards you. We want to move towards you in our loss. We want to walk this pathway known as lament. It's a scary one. It's uncertain. It seems a little, we seem to be a little uneasy with it. We don't know how it's all going to go. But Lord, today we stand and we say, we want to walk it. So I pray for my friends here. I pray for my own soul for courage. Courage to keep moving. When the pain at times is severe and overwhelming, to keep moving towards you. I pray for even friends around us to help us walk this pathway known as lament. We can't do it alone. We need people with us that can mourn with us. So I pray for that sense of community around us. And I want to thank you for your word, the verse that says, blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. There's a comfort that you provide as we mourn. I want to thank you for that reality today. Thank you for the courage you to stand today. And we even as we'll sing, we cast our cares upon you because you love us and you're good, even in the midst of loss. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.